Lord, teach us to pray as John the Baptist taught his disciples. So asked one of Jesus' disciples. Like the rabbis, the Baptist had taught his disciples how to pray. Jesus' disciple wanted the same from Jesus. Jesus responded, as we heard in this morning's gospel, with what we call the Lord's Prayer. Though this sermon is on the Lord's Prayer, relax, I'm not going to deal with all of it. It took me half a year of homilies to do so uh, on the, at the Thursday morning Eucharist. Today I just want to make two points. The first point is this. Jesus, who spoke Aramaic, used the Aramaic word for Father to address God in his prayers. The Gospel writers use the Greek word for Father, but we can deduce from the letters of St. Paul that in prayer, Jesus used the Aramaic word, which is Abba. In Romans 8.15, Paul writes, when we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Similarly, in Galatians 4, 6, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Abba is a word that at one and the same time expresses two aspects of God. One is characteristic of all ancient languages in those, Father means one whose authority must be obeyed. I don't think that's quite what Father means today, but that's what it meant back then. The second and unique aspect of the word Abba for Father means having a close, personal, intimate relationship with God. We can see both aspects of Abba in Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was crucified. Jesus threw himself on the ground and prayed, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Jesus felt himself to be close enough to God to be able to ask for a miracle, but he was also obedient enough to accept God's will. So far as we know, praying to God as Abba was unique to Jesus. It suggests his special awareness of a special relationship with God. Even more remarkable is the fact that Jesus had taught, taught his disciples that they too should address God as Abba. In so doing, he was teaching us that we too have a close, personal, and intimate relationship with God. At the same time as Jews, both Jesus and his disciples knew that God must be obeyed. It is much easier, isn't it, for us to think of ourselves in terms of a close, personal, intimate relationship with God than our obligation to be obedient to his authority. As a result, we sometimes fail to understand the unique meaning 
of Abba for our lives. For me, although I still have trouble with obedience, that is changing. Throughout my ministry, I have used a variety of concepts to help myself and others understand what I mean by the word God. Concepts such as, quote, one in whom we live and move and have our being, from the book of Acts. Another being, spelled with a capital B, being itself, from Thomas Aquinas, an existentialist such as Martin Heidegger. And perhaps my favorite, God is the pusher and the puller, which was the title of a book by someone whose name I have forgotten. When I first saw the book, I thought it was about drugs. But as I looked at it, I discovered that it actually was about God and understanding God in evolutionary process theological terms as at the base of our being, pushing us to grow into who we are meant to be and ahead of us, pulling us toward God into being the kind of person he intends us to be. However, with the pictures of the universe coming from the Hubble Space Telescope launched in 1990, and now the James Webb Space Telescope launched on Christmas Day 2021, I am awed by the magnitude and size of the universe, not that I can even begin to comprehend it. I am impressed by its order and frightened by its violence. To know God as the creator and sustainer of the universe of which we have pictures overwhelms and intimidates me. Almighty takes on an entirely new meaning. I tremble before such naked power. Of course, God is the authority that must be obeyed. As a result, it is so meaningful to me to be invited to call him Abba, Father, who despite being almighty, opens himself to a close, personal, intimate relationship with me. Quite frankly, at my age, looking ahead to what will come to me as to all people sooner than it will to the overwhelming majority of you. Looking forward to the end, I am so thankful that it's not just God the Almighty, the creator of the universe, into whose hands I will die, but into Abba, Father, the Almighty God, who is close to me, intimate with me, cares about me. The second point of this morning's sermon is the prayer itself. It's called the Lord's Prayer because Jesus taught it to his disciples. It was a prayer that arose out of Judaism and echoed in the long-awaited hope of Israel for God to take charge of his world. But there was a significant difference between the hope and prayers of Israel and the preaching and prayer of Jesus. That is this. 
Like John the Baptist, Jesus proclaimed the good news, that is the gospel, that the coming of God's reign was imminent. God was about to act, maybe next week. Soon the subservience to Rome would be ended. Jesus's prayer reflected this preaching and teaching. When we, like the disciples, pray the Lord's Prayer, we are praying about the reign of God, about God's victory over all the opposition, including sin and death. How do we know that's what the prayer is about? Recall the Gospels and sermons of the past few weeks about Jesus sending out the 12, that is, his closest disciples, and then 70 others to preach the coming of God's reign. The urgency was so great it was going to happen so soon that there was not time for preparation. The disciples were to travel light, take no money, food, or change of clothes, go in pairs, accept hospitality where offered, and shake the dust off their feet as they left towns where hospitality was not given. When the disciples were taught in this prayer to pray for daily bread, they weren't praying for all of the hungry in the world. They weren't praying for the starving Armenians who, for some reason, according to my mother, were going to be injured if I didn't eat all the food on my plate. They were praying for themselves because that was literally what they needed on their mission. Jesus was counting on the hospitality of Jewish townspeople, as well as there being in most towns people who had heard of Jesus or maybe even had heard him preach. They would want an opportunity to talk with Jesus' followers and would invite them for a meal. But let's face it, there may have been many times when the disciples did not find room and board, maybe even for a couple of days or more. Imagine how urgently they prayed this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. As an aside, I have fun thinking of their return to Jesus. Some pairs saying, we had four straight days of fine dining, while others who went to different towns replied, all we got was leftovers next time we get to go to the more prosperous towns. The point is, we need to understand the Lord's Prayer for what it is. A prayer petitioning God to come quickly and reign. The prayer is short, appropriate for the urgency of the situation. It contains nothing but petitions, appropriate for its purpose. There is no praise, no thanksgiving. The concluding doxology that we will say when we say the Lord's Prayer uh, later in the service was not part of the prayer originally, but added when the prayer became part of the Eucharistic liturgy. The Lucan version in our gospel this morning is less formal than the version in Matthew, and that may be because Jesus probably taught the prayer to his disciples on multiple occasions with different words with the same content, or maybe the evangelist embellished it. The first three petitions of the prayer, as we say it, look to God. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The Lucan version omits the last of the three, your will be done. These three petitions pertain to God's concerns, what's on his mind, 
what is important to him, and by praying them, the disciples then and now make God's concerns our own. The next four petitions pertain to the concerns of the disciples then and now, praying that everything that makes possible the coming reign of God may take place in our midst. Daily bread so that they can do their work, forgiveness and reconciliation which embody the presence of God's reign, protection uh, and temptation lest they be unfaithful to their calling, and deliverance from evil which threatens and opposes the advancement of God's reign and all those who support it. Of course, the reign of God did not come, at least as it had been envisioned. What came instead was a new community called the church. As one wag put it, Jesus preached the coming of the kingdom of God, and what came was the church. But the church was the foretaste of the new humanity united in Jesus, a new humanity united in Jesus rather than in nationality or race, or my, I might add, political party. It is a community still under sin like the rest of the world, but it is a new humanity which in the power of Christ's spirit anticipates at least to some degree life lived under the reign of God. The Lord's Prayer belongs to this community, this new humanity. Our Lord Jesus Christ has given it to us. He has given it to us and we pray it not just at the Eucharist or the daily offices of morning and evening prayer, but regularly in our prayers. A very early document, the Didache, the teaching of the Twelve Apostles, says that the Lord's Prayer was prayed three times a day by every Christian. Pray the Lord's Prayer as Jesus did. Pray the Lord's Prayer for the coming of God's reign. On earth, to be sure, at some time, but here and now in your own lives. Pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, beginning with me this very day. Pray, forgive us our trespasses, like what I did to Jimmy, whose forgiveness I'll ask after I apologize to him today. As we forgive those who trespass against us, like Johnny, who betrayed my trust, whom I will go to and forgive today. That is the way the kingdom of God becomes present at the moment, here and now, in our lives, in the new community of the church. Pray the Lord's Prayer as Jesus did. Pray the Lord's Prayer as he wants us to pray it. Pray the Lord's Prayer for the coming of God's reign beginning in your life this very day.